So I don't usually do an introduction to a solo episode (laughs) because that's sort of redundant, but um, I feel the need to do one for this episode. I am touching on something pretty important and, um, and, and, you know, I've been toying with whether to release this episode um, at all. And let me sort of explain to you what my entire thought process has been throughout this. My process has been, I am a white woman and I consider myself an ally. And I think it's important for me to stand up and speak up um, about things that are going on in the world today. I'm also aware of being a white woman and not wanting to center a conversation around my white experience. And I've been going back and forth about, do I talk about this by myself or do I bring um, a black woman on to have this conversation, which I do want to do in the future. As a white ally, I often struggle, and I think a lot of us do, in this place between um, I want to speak up and I want to take the labor off of the backs of black women and people of color to explain shit to other white people, right? And as a leader with a platform, it's important for me to use my voice and use my platform to have really hard and important conversations, such as conversations on matters of race and privilege. And, you know, so there's that, right? It's like, I am a white person. It is my job as an ally to have these fucking hard conversations as a, as a white ally. And, you know, and then also, right. But am I centering, am I in doing so centering the conversation on me as opposed to, um, inviting a black person on to have this conversation, but does that put the labor back on them? Right. So I think a lot of white people struggle with this. And here's what I think. (laughs) Here's what I really think. Um, as I've been toying with this and then I, I was like, okay, so what am I really concerned with? And ultimately I'm concerned. I'm, I'm, a, I'm scared of getting it wrong. I'm scared of getting it wrong and saying the wrong thing and getting backlash for it. And the bottom line is that is called white fragility, right? So here's the deal. I'm going to get it wrong. Um, I am sure that in this episode in which I literally just turned on the mic and started speaking, I had no idea what I was going to talk about. I'm sure that I got a few things wrong. Um, And I'll touch on one thing that I know I got wrong in a minute, um, but I'm just going to let it go, right? Because here's the thing. I would rather get things wrong and be corrected by people who know more than I, than I do, um, or by people of color and for people to say like, Hey, you got that wrong. And my response is going to be, okay, I hear you. Okay. Got it. Right. Um, and I'm, then I will shift and pivot, uh, from there. The problem that we have as white people is when our egos get so bruised And we're so fucking proud of ourselves for coming out and standing against something. And someone says, Hey, you got that wrong. And then we get defensive and then we double down on the thing that we're getting wrong, which then negates, uh, the labor, the information and the experience of the people that we say that we are trying to support. Okay. So, so I am releasing this episode because I think it's an important conversation. I'm also sure that, you know, I've gotten some things wrong, some things wrong. I'm open to hearing, um, from people about, you know, what those, what those might be. 
Um, one of the things that I say at the end of the episode, um, I talk about how sort of we, there's a history of white women voting um, in the interest, like sort of with their husbands, right? Especially in, in very sort of um, dominant um, cultures, often religious cultures and things like that, that, that women have often voted um, with their husbands and not really thought for themselves about, you know, what they want. And I, and I say, and I, and I sort of plead to women at the end of this episode to please vote uh, with yourself in mind. And I don't mean that. <laughs> I actually want you to vote with the collective in mind. I want you to vote not just for your own interests, but for the interests of the most marginalized and disenfranchised among us, because that is really important. And what I meant when I said vote with your own interests in mind, what I meant was um, be your own person, <laughs> you know, vote, you know, ballot boxes are anonymous and private for a fucking reason. So when you vote, think about how you're voting um, as an individual for, you know, um, for yourself, think for yourself, think for the collective. Um, and that's a distinction that I, that I have felt, I felt sort of uncomfortable about releasing this episode without distinguishing that this is a hard topic. Um, and I am sure that I am going to, like I said, get a few things wrong in here and I'm open to willing and, you know, to hearing and learning and all of that. And as a white woman, as an ally, I can't be silent. I, I cannot be silent um, about the atrocities that are occurring across the country. And I, I'm loving the protests around the world. I saw a picture from Copenhagen, Copenhagen, marching in protest for us. Like, how amazing is that? Uh, without further ado, I'm just going to uh, let this play out. <laughs> We're going to have this conversation. I love you all. I look forward to hearing from you too. Welcome to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have open and honest conversations about co-parenting, separation, divorce, and the hardest question of all, should you stay or should you go? I'm Kate Anthony, your Divorce Survival Guide, and I'm here to help you navigate some of the roughest waters you've ever swum in and answer some of your toughest questions. I've been to hell and back, and now it's my mission in life to help you get to the other side of this process with your sanity and your heart intact. Hey everyone, welcome back. I am so happy to have you join me for another episode, another week, another day in the life. Um, you know, I got to tell you guys that um, I don't have much planned in uh, terms of what I'm going to talk about today, but there's a lot on my mind. So I thought I'd just turn on the mic and start talking. I'm recording this on Friday, May 29th, and I have a feeling that by the time this comes out on Tuesday, everything's going to be different. Uh, you know, last night we spent the night, uh, watching Minneapolis burn and, um, we are in the middle of dealing with, um, yet another killing of a black man by white police officers in our country. And some of you may be listening to this and thinking, what the hell does this have to do with my divorce? What the hell does this have to do with, 
trying to decide whether to stay or go. What the hell does this have to do um, with anything? <laughs> and my answer is it has fucking everything to do with everything. Because we cannot talk about the inequality in our relationships. We cannot talk about the patriarchy and smashing the patriarchy without acknowledging that the patriarchy is at its very core, a white sort of steeped in, based in, stands upon a foundation of white supremacy. And, you know, if you don't, if you, if you don't believe me about that or whatever, just take to the Google. <laughs> there's so much, there's so much to, um, be read about that, you know, the patriarchy itself. And again, here's the deal. I want to, I'm going to speak right now to the men who listen to this podcast. First of all, I love you. I love that you are here. I love that you listen to my podcast. I urge you to anytime I speak about something in a gendered specific way to make a switch, if it applies to you and you relate to the female experience, uh, please switch the genders. When I speak, I speak from a female perspective because I am a woman. I speak about women's experiences because I am a woman and because I work with women. I don't work with men in my practice. Um, I have tried to open my practice up to men in the past and uh, despite the fact that many of them asked me specifically um, to create my programs for men, when I did so, none of them showed up. I'm just going to let that sit there. I'm not going to, I don't need to, I don't need to dig deeper into it. That's what happened. And that's a fact. So I fully expect and hope that if you hear things in my podcast where you say, uh, but you know, I relate to the female perspective and, but, but women are narcissists too. And, but women are emotionally abusive too, but, but, but let it go. We know that this is a podcast that is, you know, run by a woman. And again, my client base is female. So I speak to everybody. I just invite you and the majority of experiences, right? We know this is, this is like, <laughs> so, you know, I'm bringing this right back around, right? When you say, but women are like this too, or, but, you know, women are abusive. Women are narcissists. We know you, it's literally the same as saying not all men. It's literally the same as saying all lives matter when we say black lives matter, right? And I'll get to that in a minute. But so that, th that is literally, literally why what's happening in our country right now at this very moment of me recording has everything to do with our marriages and relationships. We cannot separate these things. We cannot pull them apart. It is not fucking possible to do that. <laughs> it's funny. I, I, I get these emails from men all the time and they're like, you know, basically asking me to do the labor of translating the genders for them, or they want me to change, um, my language to be more inclusive. And, you know, my response and reaction to that is, you know, welcome to the patriarchy where women have been, uh, switching language and, you know, and, and doing the labor of switching gendered language their entire fucking lives. 
right? Um, you know, we see this in, in, in like a m- millions of different ways, right? Where the entire constitution of the United States is, is written, you know, about men. <laughs> Let's start there. It's written by and about white men. So anytime I read the constitution, I have to think now, uh, oh, well, when they say man or when they say, you know, him or whatever, um, what they, they do mean, they do mean women. And by the way, no, they didn't. They didn't mean women. They didn't mean black men. Um, you know, they didn't mean people of color. They meant white men. So, um, I invite you to do the labor your damn self. I invite you to switch up the language and to hear what I'm saying and how it applies to you in whatever language and whatever words you need um, that, that works for you. Do not come into my inbox or slide into my DMs and ask me to do the labor for you. That is not my fucking job. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm guessing and I'm hoping it's because you want to be, you know, a good man. You are a good man. You're wanting to do the work. But when you ask me to do that labor for you, I need to point out that (laughs) what you're doing is part of the problem. So that is literally the same as me as a white woman acknowledging my, my internalized racism, my unconscious bias. It, you know, that that's exactly the same as me when, gosh, this feels so long ago already. Um, Amy Cooper was the video came out of Amy Cooper calling the cops on Christian Cooper in Central Park, just God, just a few days ago, which feels literally like forever ago. She is, she is what we, she is a self-proclaimed liberal white woman whose overt racism came out real quick, real damn quick when she told, um, a black man who told her to put her dog on a leash in an area of Central Park in which dogs are mandated to be on leashes. Um, and she told him that she was going to call the cops and tell them that an quote, an African American man uh, is attacking me. Now he was doing no- nothing of the sort. And why did his race matter? So that, and so she claims to be liberal. And in her apology, she said, I'm not racist. Well, honey, guess what? When you, complete a completely overt act, um, you are right. And so when I posted about this on Facebook, I posted, uh, the video is really upsetting for a number of reasons, primarily because there is a white woman calling the cops on a black man. And, uh, we now know exactly what happens when white cops um, are called on black people because we can now look at um, George Floyd and his death. That's why it's dangerous for a white woman to call for anyone to call the cops on a black man, um, especially for a white, a white person to do it. So because overwhelmingly 
um, black men end up in uh, position in positions of danger um, often and are often killed. Um, but when I posted my story, right, uh, when I posted it to my Facebook group, the other thing that's very upsetting about it was the fact that she was completely manhandling her dog, totally fucking manhandling her dog. And when I posted the thing, when I posted the story, when it first broke, the first thing I mentioned was the manhandling of the dog and a black woman that I know commented and she did so very gently because she knows me and she knows what I stand for. And, um, and she said, you know, I just need to point out the fact that you pointed out the dog, uh, before, before the fact that this was an overtly racist, um, attack on a black man. And when she pointed that out to me, I immediately, first of all, she was hundred percent correct. She was hundred percent right. And I had to look at that and be like, oh, look at that. I am more concerned with this health, welfare and safety of a dog than I am with the well, with the welfare and safety of a black man. And I could have gotten defensive and be, been like, no, I'm not like, of course I'm not. I'm a good person. I'm not a racist. Fucking bullshit. That is my internalized bias. That is my unconscious bias right there coming to the forefront. And that is what I have to own. That is what I have to look at squarely in the face and go, oh shit, look, there it is. And it literally was that easy. It was easy enough for me to go, oh shit, there it is. I apologized to her and I asked her permission to edit my post. I said, is it okay with you if I edit the post? Because I don't want to erase the, um, exchange and the experience and have her, her po her comment then look like out of place and weird. Right. So I asked her permission. I said, is it okay with you if I edit the post? And she said, absolutely. And then I did so. And literally that's all it takes, right? It's not that fucking hard to go, Oh God, look, there it is. There it is. I'm doing it again. Right. I edited the post and I centered the post around the life and the fear of the black man who was the person who was in the most danger, who is the person, not just the, you know, um, the mammal, but you know, cause there was another, not someone else in danger there, but it was a dog. Right. And so I had to, I had first centered my response around a dog as opposed to the black man who was in danger. And so my point about this is that you know, we, we have to face our unconscious. We've got to look these, that we've got, when someone shines a light on it, we got to be like, Oh, right. So when someone says to you, when I say to, to men, let's say who are listening to this by asking me to regender my podcast or talk in, gen, in gender neutral tones or whatever, you're asking me to do labor that you can just as well do on your own. And understand that my podcast is a, you know, is part of my business and it is part of my business model and my, the people that I work with, um, you know, this is a business. Let's not get it twisted. I have a deep, deep mission in my life, but this is a fucking business and I work with women. So I'm going to speak to women. So when I, when I point that out to you, the response should be, oh shit, 
I, I'm as a man who claims to be an ally and who wants to support women's um, rights and women's missions. God, look, there's, there's that patriarchal conditioning that I think that I am important enough and that I want to center the conversation around men um, or center it in such a way that includes men, right? That's all you have to say. Oh, oh, look at that. That's how that works. And that's how internalized this shit is. And that's how unconscious this shit is, right? And it's the exact same thing when in response to someone saying Black Lives Matter, you say, or anyone says, quote, all lives matter. We fucking know. But all lives are not on the line. All lives are not being threatened on a daily fucking basis at the rate at which black lives are being threatened every fucking day. So we know all lives matter. Of course they do. We know not all men. Of course we do. But when we say black lives matter, what we're doing is we're standing up for the most marginalized and the most oppressed and the most endangered of, of us. And that's what matters. That's, that is important because when you say black lives matter, we're centering the conversation on the lives of the people who are actually at risk. When we say all lives matter, we're shifting the lens to, you know, broaden or widening the lens to this whole spectrum of like, everybody matters. We're a hundred, we're all human. We're all, there's only one race, the human race. Fuck that. Fuck that. Right? Yeah, sure. Of course. Yeah. Duh. But the human race is not in danger. I mean, <laughs> it is, but by our own fucking hand. Um, you know, <laughs> global warming is an entirely other converse, different conversation, right? But it's not, we're not all one race. We're not because my lived experience is completely different from that of my my, my black friends and people of color all across this in, you know, all over the, all over the country and all over the world. It's completely different. Um, you know, I don't have generational trauma from slavery, plain and simple period. I don't have the trauma of watching people that look like me be murdered by the people who are being paid to protect and serve, right? That's a load of crap. So what the fuck does this have to do with anything? So what this has to do with is that the exact same systems that are oppressing and killing black men right now, um, this entire system of white supremacy, white male supremacy is the exact same system that, that we are fighting against in dismantling the patriarchy. And when I talk about the patriarchy, this, this is not good for anyone. Right. When I say I want to smash the patriarchy, I'm not saying I want to smash men. Men are just as damaged by the patriarchy as women are. Because, you know, we, we've this, I, and I hate, I, I've, I've come to actually hate the term toxic masculinity because I think it, you know, it, it immediately turns men off because it makes them think that what we're saying is that men are toxic. And that is not what we're saying. And that's not what I'm saying. That may be what some people are saying. That is not what I'm saying. 
what I'm saying when I talk about smashing the patriarchy and when I talk, what I, what I'm talking about, the reason it's bad for men is that men have not been taught for generations to be with their softer selves, their emotions, their, their nurturing selves, their perhaps more feminine sides to them, right? We all have masculine and feminine sides to us. When, when men don't honor and acknowledge their softer feelings, right? Um, this was described to me years ago by the, I think I told you guys before that when I went to therapy, the first time I went to therapy, she was like, how do you feel? And I was like, good. And she's like, okay, so good isn't a feeling. And I couldn't access feelings, couldn't access them at all. It was so shut off from my feelings. I literally didn't know what they were. I didn't know how to name them. And she gave me a list. Um, and, asked me to identify and pick feelings off of the list. And one of the things that she explained to me was that we have hard feelings and we have soft feelings, right? And so when we're feeling angry, anger is a hard feeling. So when we're feeling a hard feeling, there's always a softer feeling underneath it that the hard feeling is covering up and protecting. So when I feel anger, what I'm really feeling is scared, right? I'm, I'm in fear. And that's a, you know, that's just one example. When men, uh, are taught to not be a pussy, to grow a pair, to man up, that boys don't cry, that, you know, real men don't whatever, they are asked to push those soft feelings down and down and down and bury them deeper and deeper and deeper. And when we don't process our feelings in healthy ways, and by the way, all humans have these feelings. It's not that men don't have these feelings. It's not that men don't, you know, feel shame or sadness or grief or regret or, um, you know, f- fear or terror. Men feel all of these things. But then when they feel them and they begin to express them as children, um, they are told to man up, don't be a pussy, you're crying like a girl, all of that shit, right? And they stuff it down and they cover it up with hardness. And then it becomes their fear turns into anger because that's how they mask it. That's how they cover it up. That's their armor that they're wearing against it. And this is what patriarchy teaches boys. This is why patriarchy is bad for men because those feelings, they become toxic inside when they're pushed down, when they're squashed, when they're not honored, when they are protected by, by some harder covering, they fester, they fester in us like a fucking cancer, you know, and then they come out in ways that are usually really fucking aggressive and they can come out that looks like school shootings. They look like, um, incels taking to the streets. If you don't know what an incel is, by the way, I please Google it. Um, it stands for involuntary celibate. 
These are men who believe that they are entitled to men's bodies and that if women are not having sex with them, they are involuntary celibate because they are entitled um, to us having sex with them. It's no wonder they're not getting laid, right? Um, and they get so angry about this that they go out and they fucking kill people. Um, the shooting that happened a few months ago in Toronto was uh, an incel. We've had a few of them in Canada recently. So, you know, th- this is what that, this is when it, be- when pushing pain and grief and sadness and all of these feelings down and down and down and being told you're a pussy if you had them and to man up, ultimately these things bubble up and they, they, they bubble up over the surface and over the edge in really toxic and disturbing and dangerous and often deadly ways. So this is why the patriarchy is not good for men. Men don't want to, they don't want to be in this much pain and not know how to deal with it. You know, we don't want that for our men. I don't want that for men. Good God. Good God. Like imagine what a beautiful place the world would be if men could feel free and safe to express themselves um, so that it didn't turn into this toxic sludge, right? This all has the same root. This is all the same stuff. This is, um, this is white supremacy, white supremacist patriarchy. Now I don't want to take the conversation about, uh, what's going on in the world today and, you know, the murder of George Floyd and, uh, and center this in a white, in a white experience, right? Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm actually not, I realize as I'm talking that it, that it may sound like that or may come across as that. And, you know, maybe I need to examine that for myself and my unconscious bias here. Right. But what I'm trying to do, what I'm talking about is that every single one of these things stems from the root cause of all of this is, uh, white supremacist patriarchy. And that the only way we're going to dismantle racism, that we're going to dismantle the oppression of women, um, women, uh, and, and, and liberate, liberate everyone who is marginalized in any way, shape or form is to dismantle and fight back against and destroy the patriarchy that has all of its roots in white supremacy. And that's how we get free. That's how we stop getting into relationships with, you know, men who abuse us. It's, it's by, by teaching men, um, how to be with their really, with, with their trauma. Right. I mean, that's really what this is about in, in her book, no visible bruises, Rachel Louise Snyder talks a lot about this and it's a really, difficult exploration into the healing of male trauma. Um, and, and uh, in particular, uh, in one treatment center, that is a treatment center specifically for abusers, for domestic abusers and violent, violent offenders and murderers, people who have murdered their domestic partners, um, to come back from and heal the trauma that led them to that place. And, you know, the statistics are terrible um, in terms of being able to heal 
those wounds and not reoffend. But the work is being done, and they've, you know, and they have, they have researchers have really found and identified that the stem of domestic violence, the root of domestic violence, is so much in exactly what I was talking about in this toxicity. Um, where a man who feels abandoned, a man who feels insecure, beats the shit out of his wife. What would it be like if that man could actually be with the feeling of being abandoned and actually, you know, acknowledge the wound, the narcissistic wound that was created um, by his trauma in childhood instead of beating the shit out of a woman? That's what's on my mind today, y'all. <laughs> um, like I said, I sat down with no script, no um, idea of where I was going to take this. And, you know, I, honestly, this is what's on my mind. This is what's on my mind every day. This is why I do the work that I do. And so if you're listening to this and, uh, you know, you're a, you're a white woman or a white man, and you're thinking, you know, what does this have to do with me? Or, um, you know, you live in a region where this is really, really um, apparent and has taken like real root in your, in your, in your community. I just, I want you to notice, I just want you to notice. And I want you to notice where, where this shows up for you, you know, does this show up in church? Probably yes. You know, unless you go to a, like a liberal progressive church, <laughs> but, but if, but if you're like in the Bible belt, yeah, this is probably showing up. And I want you to, I don't, you know, I'm not asking you to get boots on the ground and start, you know, fighting back against this overtly because it may not be safe for you to do so. But I am asking you to fight back against it within yourself. I want you to start seeing things. I want you to start noticing things. And I want you to start shifting your perspective about this. And because here's the deal. If we really think that we are all one, we are one race, we're the human race, you know, then, you know, as Martin Luther King, I'm going to paraphrase Martin Luther King here, but you know, that, that um, none of us are free if all of us are not free. And so if you really think that we are one and um, you believe in that sort of holy uh, unity, then we better get to work freeing those who are most oppressed. Um, and in, in our current climate, that is people of color, you know, in particular black men, economically, uh, more so black women and, uh, and Latina women. But, um, you know, in terms of physical safety, I think black men kind of top the, uh, top the list there. So, um, so I want you to start looking at it for yourself because, because, you know, this, this will shift, um, the, when we take, put the focus on ourselves, this will shift when we, when we make the shifts within ourselves, when we finally look at our situations and say, actually, this doesn't work. This doesn't work for any of us. This marriage in which my husband is, you know, a dictator or sets all the rules or is dominant or controlling, uh, doesn't work, doesn't work for me. And it doesn't work for him. He may not know it, but it doesn't work for him. 
his liberation may depend on you saying, I I will not do this anymore, right? It may not, but at least your liberation does. This will, you know, your liberation also um, will happen. And I'm going to say it, you guys, I'm going to say it. Your liberation will happen at the ballot box in November. And if you are from a uh, culture where you have historically voted in line with the way that your husband wanted you to vote or that your culture wanted you to vote or that your church wanted you to vote, I just want to remind you that your ballot is secret and that you can vote how you want to vote. And your liberation may begin by filling in the bubble um, or stamping the bubble or, or pushing the button, however we're going to do it <laughs> this year, who fucking knows. But your liberation begins by making a choice for yourself. And you can hold that choice secret. And here's, by the way, you can also vote the same as your husband, as long as it is actually your choice, right? I am not, I'm not going to tell you how to vote. I, you know how I want you to vote. I'm not going to tell you how to, how to vote, but I want you to ask yourself the question. Is the vote that I'm casting, does it serve me? Does this actually support what I believe and what I want for myself, for my children, and for the future of this country? Because we are falling apart. Our democracy is, I think it's, you know, it's gasping its last breaths. And I don't know that that's a bad thing. It'll be a terrible thing if the next thing that happens is a complete dictatorial fascist regime, which we already have. And uh, it'll be a great thing if white supremacy is the thing that dies with it. So um, we're at a tipping point and I want, I just, all I want for you all is to start to notice it and start noticing where it shows up in your relationships, where it shows up in your heart, where it shows up in your thought patterns, where it shows up in your actions and that's how we begin to make systemic change that will protect all of us and the least protected among us in particular. All right, my loves, have a wonderful week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. If you like what you hear, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in and leave me a review. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at the Divorce Survival Guide. I'll see you next time. And until then, remember, you, my love, deserve to be happy.